Our scripture this morning is from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. Father, your word is a great gift. It is like a seed. Our hearts are the soil. Please prepare the soil of our hearts so that we can receive the seed of your word, that it may germinate within us, grow strong, bear fruit. In the name of your Son we pray. Amen. There's a, I'm reading a novel and it sort of uh, fictionalizes a real life situation about what it was like in the 80s and 90s during um, heavy duty logging, this, this phase in America when some of our last old growth forests were being logged and um, replaced by a sort of monoculture. And it talks about the resistance that sort of developed during that time. And um, the odds were just so much against them. And there's a scene where they're walking to this one mammoth tree that, um, you know, the width is larger than a house. Um, and, uh, and they're going to go and try to rescue the tree. And, and on the way, uh, it's a, a man and a woman. And the man says, you know, this just seems ridiculous. I mean, we're up against a multinational timber corporation. Um, they're, they're funded and they're standing behind them is the will of the American people. What's two people going to do? And, and she says, she grabs his hand and says to him, I have it on high authority that we're going to be okay. Her, her higher authority is, is a little bit unknown in the novel. Um, but it takes real courage to do something like that. It also takes some degree of stupidity to do that as well. And you sort of feel that sense when you get into this, our, our scripture this morning. Um, it's very intentional about this donkey situation and Jesus riding in as king of the Jews. And, and you sort of feel like, come on, <clears throat> like this is how you're going to do it. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. It all came to this. A war horse would have made a lot more sense. A war horse, maybe, with a chariot, 
would have at least sent the message that we might lose, but we're going to put up a fight. But Jesus chooses a donkey. And the description is unusually long. And I think part of the reason the description of him finding the donkey is, is there is so that we don't think this was unintentional. So that we don't think he was just looking around and he grabbed the first animal near him or, or he didn't have much money and he couldn't afford a war horse and so he went with the donkey. I think the long description is meant to say this is exactly the kind of animal Jesus wanted. Donkeys are not great in battle, but they are good for work and transportation. That's why we always tend to picture Mary riding on a donkey as she goes into Bethlehem. And she would have had to go through Jerusalem to get to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem. And so you could say that Jesus' first time riding on a donkey was back then, right before his birth. That time of riding on the donkey was also the first time that anyone called him king of the Jews. The Magi, it was actually the only other time anyone calls him king of the Jews. He's not mentioned as king of Jews throughout the rest of the book of Matthew. But in the very beginning, when the Magi come into town, they say, we've seen a star. We know there's king of Jews around here. Where is he? And what does all of Jerusalem do? They all freak out. That's that's the Greek for that word. They all freak out. And now he comes in again as king of the Jews, and once again, not only are they freaking out, but the word means quake. The whole city quakes. But that first time he came in, the first time he claimed to be king of the Jews, something awful, truly awful happened. Jerusalem became anxious, and Herod, the most anxious of all, clinging to his power, massacred all the children in Bethlehem so as not to be challenged. Matthew records the cries of their mothers. He says it was like Rachel weeping because her children are no more. I think as Jesus mounts that donkey to go into the city, the cries of those mothers are still in his ears. He knows what this means. He knows what's at stake. And again, I think it's precisely why he chooses the donkey. There's an old prophet named Zechariah. And Zechariah prophesied prophesied that a king would ride into Israel on a donkey. This, uh, in Israel's history, this was a time of war over peace. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but um, sometimes what happens is, is people want peace so bad, they'll kill everybody to get it. And that's what was happening at the time. You had Assyria claiming, we're going to give peace to everybody and we're going to conquer everybody to do it. And if it means killing everybody for peace, then we're happy to do that. And then the Persians say, no, our peace is better. So we're going to kill all the Assyrians for our peace because we're much more peaceful. We're a peaceful people. And so we will kill you. And they fought and they fought and they fought and they killed and they killed all for their shot of peace at peace. The fighting never stopped, and Israel was in the middle of all of it, all of the murderous peace. But Zechariah imagines a different kind of peace in his prophecy, one that actually comes not by way of more weapons or stronger forces, 
but comes by way of a king on an animal used for work and transportation. And this king says Zechariah will defeat the war horse and the chariot. This king says Zechariah will break all of their weapons. Zechariah says that this king is triumphant and victorious and humble. But when Matthew quotes Zechariah here in our scripture this morning, he leaves out the part about being triumphant and victorious. And he says just that the king is humble. I think there's a really important reason why he does that. And I think it's the key to this whole thing. Jesus' triumphal entry, as we call it sometimes, the Palm Sunday, it doesn't really work. It falls to pieces. Jesus is pretty easily dispatched. It doesn't take a lot of effort to get rid of him. He's disgraced. He's discredited. He's just another example of what happens when you try to go up against the machine of the empire the great and powerful period at the end of every single sentence anyone uttered at the time. And that's what this week that we begin today is all about. That's what this week that we're celebrating, that's what it's all about. Jesus knows about this defeat. Jesus knows how the world goes round, how all the sentences that are spoken are punctuated with Rome. And for him, it is precisely this defeat this mundane, routine annihilation of somebody who is in the way that he not only expects, but will use to answer the cry of those Galileans on the road. He will use to answer the cry of those mothers in Bethlehem three decades before crying for their dead children. And he will use to answer the cry of all parents who have lost children. The cries of parents in Nashville, Uvalde, Houston, Parkland, Newtown, Lancaster, Littleton. <clears throat> Immediately after Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he goes to the temple and he famously flips all the tables and he drives out all the money changers. A lot of you know that story. What is often unnoticed in that story, what is often not mentioned by preachers, is that the Hosannas continue in the temple. They don't stop on the road. They continue in the temple. But this time, the people shouting the Hosannas are children. It says kids are the ones shouting the Hosannas. Hosanna means save us. Um, in an, a recent interview, a Ukrainian pastor was asked how his faith had changed since the war began a year ago, if it had changed at all. He said in the beginning, he had a lot of questions of God. How could you let this happen? How could this, how could, how could this come to fruition, especially among your people, among Christians? And since then, he and his um, church, and, and he also runs a seminary in Ukraine, and they've been deeply involved in the effort. They've been trying to save people's lives, some people they can't save. They've just been in it for a solid year, going, going, going looking ahead and seeing the harder work even ahead of them. He says, now I don't ask those questions. He says, now I think it's God asking those questions of us. How, humans, could you do this? 
It wasn't God who bombed Bukha where he was. It wasn't God who cut off the power in the winter. In our lament, we ask how God could let things happen, how could he could let things happen, especially to children. And God asks the same of us. God asks the same of us, but God also gives us God's own answer. Jesus answers by mounting a donkey and riding into the efficient cruelty of an empire. And Jesus keeps on riding. He rides all the way to the cross and he rides to the gates of death. And at the gates of death, they are more than happy to let him in and lock the gates behind him forever. But just like if a man was inside of a whale or a knight maybe is inside of a dragon, just like an egg, sooner or later, those gates will not hold, cannot hold the Son of God. Jesus understands. He knows that death is strong. He knows that guns are strong. He knows that lies are strong. <coughs> but the peace of God is stronger. And we see the peace of God this morning, riding easy on a donkey, asking all of us to open our gates and let the King of glory to come in. Amen. Father, we're well aware that the ones who gathered around Jesus on the road and knew who he was were the same ones who gathered around him at the cross and shouted for his death. And so, Lord, we come to you humbly this morning, knowing our own hearts, knowing what we have done and left undone. We ask you, save us, rescue this world, rescue the innocent, rescue the vulnerable. And Lord, help us to follow you, to carry our cross towards salvation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.